0: Hello and welcome to It's Cyber Up North with me, Phil Jackman, and today I'm joined by two special guests. First of all, well, I'm saying he's a special guest, he actually works with us as part of the Cyber North team. So, Andrew, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, so, do, you.
1: Do you want to tell us
0: a bit about your, your role in Cyber
1: North? Yes, well, since October, um, my role's been as a business engagement manager, talk to regional cybersecurity companies and trying to get a bit of understanding about what their roles are, what they want to do with um, the cybersecurity, what's happening with emerging technologies, and if they've got any concerns about skills, uh, recruitment, and also things like uh, events as well. And one of the the prime things which uh, Phil got me on board with is to look at uh, promoting the NCSC Cyber First uh, for Schools program, where basically we're looking to engage with northeast cyber businesses and individuals to sign up. As cyber ambassadors, go into the schools, do presentations, and try and get the, the youngsters enthused about uh, a potential career in cybersecurity and a career path that they might not have otherwise thought about. And I uh, say last week, associated with that, I was on a two-day conference with uh, the other Cyber First participants uh, from uh, RTC North and uh, Nick from King's Primary School. At a two-day's conference for the NCC it was talking about security education. Uh, and that was really great and an eye opener for me. So that, that's good and got me enthused to carry on talking to the businesses. Excellent. So I think we had when we
0: started this, we had five schools that were um, Cyber First accredited. I think we're going to mm-hmm. target us to double that this year to ten. I think we're going to do slightly better than that, and perhaps keep some in reserve for for next year, no doubt. Okay. So thanks, Andrew. That, that's really great. Good. And our other guest is Adam Hill, a, a long time friend and. Also, a fellow who lives in the same town as me, so that always helps. Adam, how are you? Good, thanks, Phil. Yep. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. John, tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Sure. So, yeah, I'm Adam Hill. Uh, I work at Sunderland Software City, where my job title is actually um, continuous improvement lead, but I also have a a couple of other roles. uh, And the main one for today being that I'm the founder of uh, No Code Northeast.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So th- this is a cyber security uh, podcast. So I uh, know that we want to talk about low code or no code uh, and all those different guises from a security kind of um, perspective. And that's why I'm going to rely upon Andrew, hopefully, to ask all the awkward questions. Mm-hmm. Good. And um, so let me start with the easy one. Then Adam, what is low code, no code?
2: So there are two different things. Um Low code I'd say no code and low code in some way, shape, or form, been around for 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 a very, very long time. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, effectively, no code is is the ability to build and create software without having to make any code, uh, use any code, or write any code. Sorry, you, got that all wrong. Clearly, <laughs> uses code, um, and and that is that is where uh, uh, clearly there's there's also a cybersecurity problem. Uh, question, but um, yeah, so no code is is the ability to build software and build applications without having to know any code. Um, but they are, of course, all still built with code um, and there's various different tools out there, whether it's. Um, uh, uh, database tools as uh, user interface development tools um, uh, and everything in and around uh, software and app development um, low code is is similar. But you have the ability to use code if you know it to be able to enhance it and develop it further and take it to to different levels and do more customization that kind of thing. So no code is is where really you can build things without any knowledge of of, of coding. Low code is where you could then take that the, the knowledge of coding you might have uh, and use that to enhance uh, uh, things, but you're given a head start by being able to drag and drop things around in a no code way um, as well. So
0: are there any um, applications that uh, layperson may have come across which is kind of using these um these tools techniques is there anything that i would be aware of
2: yeah well just so going back a bit um i i uh, started my career off uh in the tech with uh, uh primarily with something called drupal which is a, a, a an open source platform mm-hmm. and in many ways you'd call that low code because you, you needed to know a bit of code you had to be able to move files around do a bits and bobs but generally speaking through a through a sort of point and click interface you could create quite uh, um, quite enhanced software these days it's got a lot more as we'd say drag and drop so you can just drag and drop things around some of the the, the bits of software people might know about um uh, would be maybe Airtable, uh, bubble is one of the big ones um uh, web flow in terms of web development side of things it it also includes a lot of the sort of things that are virgin on software as a service that you could now currently create um, uh, apps out of so maybe job form type form that kind of thing and then you've got automations through zapier or make which was called integra map before um so there's there's tons of different tools and they all have different functions um uh, but that's a few of the names that people might have heard of before the, the, sorry the really famous ones actually that if you looked at it from a an e-commerce perspective for example would be shopify um, and uh, and people have probably heard of. You could even put in to an extent uh, at WordPress, which is you know you can now point and click a lot with WordPress. So so yeah, there's tons of different tools out there. Um, there's no f- sort of specific. There is only one definition. So um, it depends a little bit on where you where you uh, where you
0: come from. So Andrew, have you had any um, contact with Drupal? I know we we use WordPress on our. Perhaps I shouldn't say that because now people know where our vulnerabilities lie, but we use WordPress on our
1: own website. And uh, vendors that we use. I think from from my perspective, I've had uh, experience uh, going back a little bit further of uh, Azure and AWS, and you could probably say that their playbooks are almost like low code, no code because they've got routines to spin up servers and set up routers without knowing what's really in there. And you're relying on the community feedback and how many people have downloaded or used those playbooks. Uh, so that that probably that's probably you know, where I've had my experience of it in the past. But with my security uh, head on, everything's dangerous. That's unknown uh, to me. If you don't know how it works, it, there's a danger there. So that that's where i come well, from. Well, I think we're
0: screwed then because I don't know any, how anything works. So it must be all dangerous. But I must admit, uh, um, I. The concept I think is, is fascinating and uh, I, I agree that I, I imagine it's been around a long time and kind of a natural development. But I think the, the naming is misleading because it has got code in it. It's all code, isn't it? It's just, uh, it means no code for the user or low code for the user rather than uh, than the code. But it's something, it's one of the things that I think we need to uh, to be concerned about when it comes to cybersecurity. But we'll come on to that in a minute because uh, are there different variations? Can you Can you get low code or no code tools which contain everything or do you have to can you make them up with different uh, tools adam you're the expert
2: yeah yeah you can get both i mean i mentioned bubble earlier on that's probably one of the most well-known ones where you can Pretty much do everything in the one in the one um, uh, system, and most people would break it down to being um, the database, uh, the user interface, and then the uh, automations and 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 sort of yeah, moving things uh, moving things around uh, uh, the, the programming maybe you could say of it. Um, so looking at those three areas, Bubble does all three of those. Um, a different sort of stack, as as they call it, uh, could be or well known one would be, for example, using Airtable for your database. Uh, and then using something like Softer, um, which is a, a, a web app development platform, uh, but it doesn't have any database. So you have to use Airtable or Google Sheets or something similar to to get your data in. Um, and then if you want it to actually do certain things on certain triggers and what have you, then you need to use Zapier or Make or whatever to to, to make those things. So, and And they can get more and more complicated as you go. I mean, and particularly with the low code, obviously, if you've got, the ability to write code, then you can actually probably splice more things together and and join up different APIs and do all kinds of different things that that uh, um that the people with no code wouldn't know how to do. So so they can the, the no code low no code stacks can get quite um uh quite complicated and particularly because now you're finding more and more no code tools coming out that are very niche and specific and do one very specific thing. So you you actually need to you know splice them into into other areas of uh, of no code.
0: So, Andrew, I'm taking your, uh, your principle. If you don't understand it, then it must be dangerous. And are you worried about this general movement within the sector?
1: No, well... If it's all sort of taken account of uh, and mitigated, then it's not a problem. If you understand what the risks are, then you can start looking at it. Um, OWASP themselves uh, have got a a dedicated top 10 security risks list uh, for no code, low code, uh, including uh, going through. So if you're doing it for the first time and you're unsure of the principles, there's things like uh, accounts, uh, impersonation, authorization, misuse, data leakage authentication failures security misconfigurations injection handling failures vulnerable and untrusted components data and security handling failures asset management failures security logging and monitoring failures so they've sort of rounded off a whole area where if you were going to do it for the first time and you weren't sure these are the things and, and you can drill down on their website in each of the areas there so you can then de- depends on sort of how much you trust the vendor as well because if it's someone from uh, a third party state and uh, uh, that's not in europe where's the data being held how many people have downloaded this um, is the integrity of the, the vendor themselves well known or not so, you know it, you've got to sort of weigh up the trust of how much do you have to pay a developer to do something from scratch rather than do something with low code no code so i understand the business risks and the security man i would you know i always be worried it, until I can test and monitor things and know what's on zap, and I think the sonar cube uh, as well there's a few tools out there just to help uh, test the behavior of a project uh, generally so, so I, I, that, you know
0: It's interesting because we... i was I was reading the same list. it's number seven that worries me most, which is vulnerable and trust and untrusted components mm-hmm. so adam how do we how do we develop that trust uh, in the development of those components? I
2: think it has to come down to, to, I think, as as uh, as Andrew's uh, mentioned, I think a lot of it comes down to the developer. I mean, I think there's two levels of risk. There's there's the consumer risk of the fact that, for example, you can create a form in, I mean, you can do this in, say, Google Sheets or even in Excel mm-hmm. these days, you know, online. You can create a form that you put credit card number, expiry date, and capture this information into a, into an Excel sheet that is public, right? I mean, there's just a really simple, obvious kind of thing that where you might be being asked for your credit card number and it could just be going into some open database, right? So it really, obviously, nobody with any credibility is going to do (laughs) that. Don't do this at home, folks, yeah. Yeah, but my my point is that that's, that's a really ridiculous version. If you look at some of the tools that are out there, they plug into systems that could be asking, for example, for significant personal data, for example, that is going into uh, an air table that's not properly secure. And and if you, as Andrew said, if you don't know what you're doing, it's easy for you to leave those doors open in a much bigger way than you ever have been able to do with a lot of the other systems that are out there, simply because the configuration is completely open and up to you to to, to work in, in, in whichever way you want. I think um uh i think there's going to be there's going to have to be a shift because because of of that that the biggest problem for sure is people accessing no-code tools and not understanding cybersecurity or the cybersecurity risks or even worse you know deliberately creating things that are that are there to 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 create a cybersecurity risk so uh, that's the biggest risk so as a consumer i think people have to be more vigilant now as they start to use applications that could be built by these tools need to be careful about who you're you know, who who this is, what the privacy policy is, read the darn privacy policy when you can, to understand just what Andrew said, where is the data being held, how long is it being held for uh, you know, if they haven't got a privacy policy, worry, move away go and do somewhere else, you know so I think there's a, there's a, there's a, an element of consumer um, uh, uh, education that's going to have to happen and understand it's going to have to come in, from the app development perspective i think the agencies that are building things commercially and um, we had a roundtable about no code a, a few a few months ago with some agencies from the northeast and it was, this was one of the biggest questions Who, whose responsibility is it to ensure that, that, that those things are secure and generally speaking you've got uh, uh, the customer who's paying for it uh, whoever it is that, that's providing the service you've got the agency who's building that thing for that customer but now you've got various different suppliers who are who are creating software as a service. So they're creating something that generally you would, you know, access online. Um, and you've also got all of the interconnecting talking that's going on between those different services. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot more points of failure than you tend to get if you were building something in Drupal or, or I mean, we've always had this, by the way. And I think it's important to, to mention that if you look at WordPress development, if you look at WordPress uh, e-commerce system development and that kind of thing, developed there was more kind of code involved in the setup slightly differently than traditional no code tools but generally speaking you had the same problems if people didn't update their sites they were a risk if people hadn't updated a module or if they had 537 add-ons on there that weren't being updated and didn't know how to work with each other you could be you know it could be a real security risk so i think I don't know the answer in terms of whose responsibility is, and I've discussed it a lot with different people. I don't think anyone's got the answers, but I think there is a. It comes down to everyone being very vigilant through this, through the as this space develops, Um, and and there and there there being some way to check, hopefully, a bit like a secure certificate or whatever, you know, that, that that Google and and the likes who create these browsers will be able to, hopefully, in some way, be able to to start detecting these things when, when, when there's something okay. potentially dodgy going on. Well, I think that's a
0: great place to, to have a short break. So we'll come back in a few minutes.
1: So hold on. You're listening to It's Cyber Up North with Phil Jackman, Andrew Pounder and Adam Hill from Sunderland Software City. If you like this show, remember to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to It's Cyber Up North with me, Phil Jackman, Andrew Pounder and Adam Hill. We're talking about low code and no code. So just before the break, we're talking about whose responsibility it was for this. So so my concern here is that uh, we're talking about no code, something that you can do without very little experience or very little thought or very little understanding of what actually is inside the box. And therefore, to put the onus on you to be responsible for security when you don't know what's in the box is kind of it's kind of a bit uh worrying for me as a as a lay person andrew do you share the same kind of uh, concerns as i do
1: yeah i mean there's one thing because i've also done software testing uh, as well for someone one of my many hats in his previous uh, contracts and having a secure by design uh, principle if that isn't enforced now in certain circumstances you know like lazy development techniques with low code and no code, there's possibly a risk of developers not getting the fundamentals of secure by design in the beginning. So they're relying on this off the shelf code, just getting a routine, dropping it in there and not understanding uh, the, the bits and pieces behind it, you know, the, the nuts and bolts. So when something breaks or there's potential vulnerability, they don't understand. So they might have the code, but they might not understand what it's doing uh, as well. So that's a risk of. Just the ignorance and, and lack of training so it might get the point where you've got less and less skilled developers who don't know enough of the fundamentals to be secure right at the front end
0: and so do these components talk through apis adam or is it is that the the, the standard mechanism of getting uh, data from one to another yeah
2: primarily yeah I mean, it'd be through apis or possibly through uh, through automations in terms of literally sort of sending the data from one uh, space to another which can be done in different ways um but generally speaking it would be api access yeah and, and i think generally speaking the 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 tools that are out there are getting more and more um sort of heavy in terms of the the level of security needed to access the api it's a bit where it starts to get a bit technical if you're trying to integrate two two bits and uh, two apps together you might actually have to copy and paste a you know a line of, of code or a username password. you know in most of the rest of the systems you wouldn't have to even do even do that it's no code so so yeah, the, the the primarily the integrations bit will be done through
0: APIs. Exactly. I'm part of the reading for some background to this, uh, I was reading on Computer Weekly that's saying that uh, APIs are the the most exposed co- component of a network, predisposed to DDoS attack and easy to reverse engineer mm-hmm. and exploit. So I wonder whether they are the uh, potentially biggest weakness, not necessarily within the the code in a box, <laughs> but the the relationship between these boxes, which I suppose is is. Yes, exactly. Sorry, Andrew. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it, and we have to check about the APIs where there's encryption. You know, have you have you got secure paths between you and where you're getting the code from as well? Um so I said that, that that's important that that you know how that traffic's going backwards and forwards and where it's going as well. But but we will need to change the
2: systems for that because the simple fact is that no you know no code developers these days will be artists. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Uh, administrators uh, you know it it can be anyone from any walk of life can now very very easily build whether it's a web app a native app anything it can be password protected it can be uh, taking credit card transactions it can be and anybody literally can do it a seven-year-old child could do it that's how simple no code has become now so 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 i think uh, you know those checks and balances we have to Realise they're not there, as much as we'd like them to be. They're not there, and unless—and this is where the responsibility bit came in. You know, unless the app providers take in every single possibility. When you bear in mind what happens with integrations, i.e., you know, Zapier effectively is integrated with four thousand different apps, I believe, or, or possibly more. um You know, the developers of uh, no-code tool, for example, are not going to be checking well. The- you know how how those connections. are They can't
0: be. I mean, if there's that number of connections, then there are more combinations than there are stars in the universe. It's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just not possible to check all. Yeah, that. I mean, obviously,
2: obviously, Zapier and and, and Make and the and, and the likes provide secure frameworks, and that's where they have probably, for example, a bigger, an even bigger line of responsibility than a lot of the smaller app developers, because it's a much harder job for them to make sure that all of that is done securely um and and clearly if it wasn't secure similarly to a lot of the tech companies around now if if there was something that came through that found out that they weren't secure a lot like say zoom at certain points during lockdown or whatever the reputation is hit in a massive way to the extent they could literally ruin their business so they, they have to take care of this sort of stuff and i think there is a level therefore of that, you know the same the same happening for for some of the, the smaller apps but also, it's an early, you know, a lot of these these companies are in their early stages, and so I think uh, I, while I don't think anyone will be using it as an excuse, I think it's there as a as a as a fallback, you know, if there was something, or, or even more at the point, they've got less of a reputation for damage, let's say. Um, but but that's you know, I think I think in most cases that there is you know good practice and and definitely best intentions at heart. The question is, it still comes really for me down to the users.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Zoom is a is a is a great example because it really they went from nothing to something huge overnight, and I think it was that kind of uh rapid expansion that exposed their um their security flaws and and so I'm,
2: massive exploit. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, don't get me wrong, I think uh, low code no code is a very exciting uh, opportunity for us all to become uh, developers as it were without that uh, coding experience and. But I, I worry that in that rapid phase of expansion, then there'd be those people who are like, are minded to uh, attack and, and threaten. So we just need to be super vigilant. Andrew, what is it that we should be doing? If you're thinking about low code, no code, what do you think we should be doing to keep ourselves safe?
1: Well, as it matures uh, the industry out of thought, something like certificate assurance, are there going to be organizations or bodies that give you a stamp of approval, you know, just like Cyber Essentials thing says, right, this is a low-code, no-code site, and uh, this particular uh, piece of code or something has been certified, has been tested, and it's tested every year or, or whatever, something like that. That's to get assurance from the client side. Um, continue doing things if you're a bigger organization looking forward to it. Do pen testing, vulnerability scans continually because if anything's introduced a module, it could just expose data that wasn't exposed the previous year or the previous time it was tested. So it's just like everything else, any application. Continue to test the vulnerabilities. Can privileges be elevated uh, in an unwanted manner? That's thing like or WhatsApp or something. Here yeah, you can do some simulations where, um, can a person get to areas of data or a database that they shouldn't be allowed to, and then run a mock and grab it and take it away as well and especially dangerous if there's a layperson person who's developing this and not looking at the principles of privilege access management uh, so it's that kind of thing that scares me if there's no controls or containers put in so they can't break out of that box i agree with you. and adam from the developer side or from the the user side what do you
0: think that, uh, that they should be uh, doing What what can they do to be a bit more secure
2: I mean, it fits a bit with what Andrew was saying. I think that the the speed at which they can develop and the level of complexity and the features and, and what have you that can be developed. It's very hard to to look at how you could be, um, you know, how you could be checking all of that. I totally agree with the pen testing from the side of say business apps and internal teams that are, that are developing with no code, low code. Um, but I think, as I say, you know, a small a small um, uh, startup. Uh, someone just setting up a new startup out of their bedroom as it were uh with a you know 200 pound budget uh mm. just isn't going to think of those things so i think i think it's um yeah i think the the main thing is is that the the, the i think the no code community and there is a very strong community it's one of the most exciting things about no code for me the no code community needs to ensure that there is a there is a um uh, some responsibility taken even though legally there's there's very little if any but there needs to be some responsibility taken for the education aspect of really ensuring that people it's not really the the code that people need to understand it is things like andrew said in terms of privileges things like that but it's also understanding things like privacy it's understanding things like what data you should and shouldn't be capturing about people it's it's making sure that you're not you're not leaving yourself exposed simply by the fact that you're collecting data and using data and, and doing things that you shouldn't be doing um, uh, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be lots of, uh, mistakes made, lots of challenges found. I'm sure that, um, I, I know of one, a whole no code platform, which I won't mention, but that had a challenge of the fact that they were, they were using filters on data. So if you filtered a particular, so let's say you were showing public profiles of people in the system and you filtered the email address. Um, and, and then they, they published their app, but they didn't realize that that was a filter. It wasn't a permission. So the data was still effectively mm-hmm. able to be got at it was it just it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, locked away so just simple things i like understand the difference between a filter and a and a and and, and a permission uh the types of things that i think education is going to have to happen because people are using these things day in day out to build you know literally apps with hundreds if not uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of users on right now, <laughs> you know, that that's happening. Absolutely. So,
0: so as a leading member of that community, I think you give us confidence that you're taking this issue seriously and we need to uh, to make sure that that community in general takes it. So from my perspective, as a lay person, I think you need to think seriously about the security of what you of the tools that you're developing and check it and check it and, uh, you know, use trusted sources and just don't uh, pick up anything you found lying around on the internet somewhere. But... Um, <laughs> You've got an event coming up though, Adam. Uh on No Code Northeast. I've got a, an event planned. Is that right?
2: We have indeed, yes. We've got No Code Arcade. Uh where I'm hoping we'll cover cybersecurity of, of No Code have. tools as well. <laughs> certainly in the <discussion. laughs> exactly. Um but uh yeah, so that's happening on uh that's happening in uh May as part of the uh sorry in June uh as part of the Tech Next festival um and is taking place at uh northern Re- university um and uh it's on the 19th and 20th of june i'm really stupidly filled, i didn't get the date i can't believe it um so that's yeah, a Monday and it's the two, happening day. on the yeah. uh one second no it's the you, you t- it's the 20th and the 21st it's the wednesday and the thursday excellent So 20th and the 21st of June, um, and that's going to be taken at Northumbria Union on on the second day. So we're going to have workshops on the first day where people will be able to sign up to get access to workshops around specific no-code tools uh, and possibly low-code tools. And then on the Thursday, we'll have the the full day event at Northumbria University, um, where we'll have uh, around 16 speakers um, and uh, hopefully a few hundred people there um, coming from all over the place. We hope um, to talk about no code, and it's the, the um, we believe at the minute it's the biggest conference that's uh, that's planned for no code in uh, in the UK this year in in person. So um, yeah, if you're interested, uh, come along. The web address is nocodearcade.com.
0: And is there any way that people can get in touch with you, Adam, as a as a, 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 a address or a, something that people can drop into if they're interested in, in this movement?
2: Yep, so nocodenortheast.com is the is the web address for for the no code uh, northeast community. That's nocodenortheast.com. Uh if anyone wants to drop me a line just hello at uh nocodenortheast.com. We're on Twitter. Um, so give us a, a follow on there where we post all our information. On so, nocodenortheast.com is a, a you can join the community, you can sign up online and we'll send out every month uh, so we've got monthly meetings um, and we send out a monthly email to to let people know about the meetings so uh, we're also meetup.com if that helps as
0: well excellent thank you very much so please get involved and uh, stay safe out there as i say so i think we're gonna to have to bring that to an end so thank you very much andrew for your first uh, it's cyber up north podcast and will sure be back for many more and adam it's been great to talk to you again for around uh, low code no code and I'm sure it's something we can talk about forever. And thanks for Robert in the background who sorts all of this out and uh, helps us uh, to get this in there. Thank you very much.
1: You've been listening to It's Cyber Up North with Phil Jackman. Remember, if you like this show, please do subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Audio and video production was by me, Robert Campbell. This has been a Rant Out Loud production for Cyber North.